A warm welcome to everybody. My name is Aston and welcome to my channel. I'll be uploading a lot of ministry content, some preaching, some Christian apologetics, substance abuse recovery material, and some life coaching principles and strategies. So we are continuing with our series on Philippians and we are in chapter number two. And today we're just doing two verses. We done verse 5 all the way to verse 11. And now we are looking at verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13. And the reading of the word of our Lord goes as follows. Philippians chapter number 2 verse 12. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to, uh, both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can look at your word. Um, let us be strengthened by your word. Let us be encouraged by your word. Let us be corrected by your word. And we thank you, Lord, that all it is that we do, that your word will take shape and take root in and through our hearts and in our lives. Let us not only be years of your words, but also doers of your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, yesterday, um, I, I, I asked Warren to help me. Um, Teach me some electrics. <laughs> so I don't know what 31, how old am I? 31, 32, 31. <laughs> what 31 year old um, decides at the age of 31 to finally learn how to uh, do some electrics. But anyway, um, it's, 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 it's come to my attention that um, it works out better in life when you have some sort of a skill, some sort of a trade, something that you can do um, with your hands. Especially when, if you're living on your own, or you pursue, or you're desiring to have your own family one day, um, I promise you, you'll save a lot of money if you can do plumbing on your own, if you can do electrics on your own. Um, but then again, some things it's just not for everybody, you know. Um, find your tribe, find your vibe, type of a thing, you know. Know know what works for you. Not everybody can be a mechanic. Not everybody can be a mechanic, uh, a mechanic, uh, IT technician, you know. But with all of that being said, um, we, we, we were busy with a light yesterday. And while we were busy turning on one of the screws, and I know you are, are probably getting bored with this boring story, but um, it, for me it was quite exciting. <laughs> so we were turning on the one screw and getting the one table right there. And Warren told me, you know, I need to, I need to take this tool and I need, to, I need to turn on it. But I wouldn't have came to the conclusion of what is wrong there unless Warren had showed me. And I wouldn't have been able to have allowed Warren the opportunity to show me unless I had asked. So I asked now, Warren, how do you know it's it? And I was like, no, you just check here. And you know, you touch there and I was like, oh, and you touch this wire, what you must do, what you mustn't do, how you can trace it, and then how you need to fix it. But a big tool that I needed then, um, other than just having screwdrivers, was actually having somebody to be able to tell me 
how to do it. In other words, I needed a trainer. I needed somebody to train me, to teach me, to tell me something in that moment. Now, I want you to keep that story in mind and I'm going to show you how it links up to the passage and ultimately how the passage links up to another trainer, another person in need of training from someone. So let's, let's, let's just think about our previous sermon on Philippians. Well, we saw um, how Paul says, make your own attitude of that which is in Christ Jesus. Now, why am I mentioning that again? Because when we look at our verses in verse 12, it says, so then, if you use the ESV, it will say, therefore, which means all of that that I said, I've said to say this. So when, when Paul teaches on make your own attitude, that of Christ Jesus, and then he starts in this beautiful poem of who the person of Jesus is through his humility on the cross. He humbled himself to the point of death, took on the form of a servant. He says all of that. Why? Because we need to make our attitude that. But in that we learn about the salvation of Jesus. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So, in other words, Jesus comes to serve humanity to a degree that he would even die but calls that humanity to repentance because it's also a righteous judge. Those are just some things we need to keep in mind. It then says, so then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I've spoken about the humility of the person of Jesus Christ and how your attitude needs to be like-minded with Jesus. So that, and then he says this, my dear friends, we still see Paul talking about this affection that he has for the church. My dear friends, another translation would say, my beloved brothers. In other words, these are people that is close to Paul. Paul's, Paul's addressing during his time in imprisonment, writing to the church at Philippians, sharing with the church at Philippians his joy that he finds in their partnership, in their gifts that they are sending him, and ultimately in who Jesus is and the ability that God has to continue to allow his message to continue. These are his friends. These are his co-workers. He says, so then, my dear friends. Now, we learn something about Paul's audience. Just as you have always obeyed not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. What does this tell us about the believers of Philippians? The Philippians didn't try and buy nobody's face. So think about it this way. Um, let's, say, let's say you are, you, 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 if, you, if you've ever worked in a call center or anything like that, or any corporate, um, the atmosphere in the office is different when the boss walks in. When the boss walks in, everybody's off the phone, nobody's checking Facebook, everybody's sitting up, everybody's typing, everybody's uh, closing a deal, you know. The, listen, the person you were chatting to, that's your friend from high school at your phone, you know, on the phone. Yeah, Choma, you know, how are you? Who did you hear what happened to, to so-and-so over the weekend? And then your boss, boss walks in. And yes, uh, yes, ma'am, can you just give me your ID number again so I can just uh, put this deal through for you? And he'll say, sorry, my, bo my boss just walked in now. I'll phone you just now. This is not the Philippians. Philippians is not there to buy no one's face. The Philippians knows that they mean business and they are there to do what needs to be done. So then, my dear friends, 
just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. This believers was there to make sure that their conduct was good during the time that Paul was with them, and they done even more when Paul was absent. How faithful are these believers? Now, how can this apply to us today? So, I want you to think about your faithfulness towards the body of Christ. You know, um, if you're doing something on Sunday, we're uh, preparing for Sunday service, you, you're given a responsibility or a duty to do. You know, do you jump to do it better when you see the pastor coming or when you see uh, Sister Jasmine coming, you know, one of your leaders are coming? But here comes the thing. What if there's somebody that watches you continuously and it's not one of your leaders? Well, that what if is actually a reality. And that reality is actually God. And here's the mistake we make. We try to win the favor of people that are here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, you're not always going to be here. You don't need to win my favor. But here comes the thing. Oh, I'm also not always going to be here. You don't need to win my favor. But what about God? Now, oftentimes people say that to scare, especially kids. You know, youth leaders use it when the youth doesn't want to keep quiet. You know, when they're trying to, uh, uh, everybody let's gather in a circle and, 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 and Peter's trying to talk to another girl and, you know, there's, there's discord in the youth. And like, do you know God's watching you? God's watching you right now. God's not happy. It's, it's not a saying like that. It actually speaks about the sovereignty of God. It's not that God is watching you to see um, whether you're naughty or nice, you know, um, like Father Christmas. You know, he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You know, he knows if you've been bad or good. Yeah? So be good for goodness sake. Jingle bells, jingle. No, no, no. We're not talking about Father Christmas. We're talking about an actual person called God that has the ability and the capacity to be able to know what everybody does all throughout the day, each and every day. And he holds us accountable to all the work that we do. When we know that we're not working for men, but we are working for Jesus, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seeks him, it makes a difference to the things that we do. You know, if we want to glorify God in our day, if we want to magnify God in our day, we're not going to do so by trying to win the favor of people. Nor can we even win the favor of God. But we do what we have been graced and privileged to do without them. And when we do that, we become like the church of Philippians. Not trying to win Paul's favor, but they're doing what is right because they've been graced to do what is right. So then, my dear brothers, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. And here it comes. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, think about this. It would be silly for me to phone Warren in a year from now and tell him, the light is doing that again. What, what Warren's response to me should be saying, I told you what to do, do it. Now, look at what the Bible is teaching us here. Work out. So, what the trainer has given me, I can give. Now, the way we know it's what the trainer has given me and not what I need to do on my own is, well, he says this in verse 13, for it is God who is working within you. So, keep this in mind. Salvation is a gift. So, you don't work for salvation. 
Paul is not saying to the church, you need to work for your salvation. You've been given your salvation. And now that you have your salvation, you have to allow that salvation to start bringing forth change that affects the ability of how you do things. In other words, we have a trainer. Just like I have a trainer to teach me how to, how to fix that globe, I, we as, the, as a body of Christ, we as Christians have a trainer that teaches us what salvation is and where we find it. And now it teaches us what to do with that salvation. This verse is not teaching us how to get saved. The beginning, uh, chapter 2, what we looked at yesterday, part 9, what we looked at yesterday teaches us, he himself, um, verse 8 of chapter 2, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. That teaches us about salvation. Jesus died for us. He became obedient. We have salvation because it's a gift that God gives us through the person of Jesus Christ. We get grace from God. God forgives us of our sins, calls us from our, our, our broken place, the fall, and He calls us into His redemption. So He's not teaching us how that we have to work out something. He's not saying, if you follow these steps, I will save you. He's saying, because I have saved you, you can now follow these steps. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now here's the thing. I hear so much people speak about this. But I never hear people speak about the fear and trembling part. The fear and trembling. So remember, the fear of God is the recognition of who God is. Okay? That's the, the, remember what, 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 what Proverbs teaches us. Okay? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, the word religion comes from that, the fear of the Lord. Okay? So when it speaks about fear or fear in God, okay, it's not speaking about being scared of God. It's acknowledging who God is and thinking about what God's response would be in a certain situation. And that's what brings wisdom. So in other words, if I'm in a position where I, I, I'm about to murder somebody, I have to think about God's word. I have to fear God. If I'm a murderer, I'm not walking in love. If I'm a murderer, I'm not loving my neighbor as I love myself. If I'm a murderer, can I really say that God's love is there for me? That's not to say somebody that has committed murder can't get saved. No, they can. But it says that somebody that is saved doesn't have the desire to murder anymore. You see? Fear and trembling. We're acknowledging the law of God. We're acknowledging the standard of God in our life now. So let's think about the context of our recovery center. Okay? God forgives us of our sin. What is our sin? Our dependency on our addiction. One of our sins. Now that God forgives us, how are we working that out? Well, not going back to our addiction. We're fearing God. Why? We don't want, we don't want the drunk to be our idol. But we have a God who is our go-to. The drug isn't going to sort out our underlying issues. We have a God that we can go to that gives us comfort. See what working out your salvation looks like. And then he says, and then he makes us know that you can't work out something that God hasn't given you. So keep in mind, God is not saying if you remain sober, if you don't use drugs, I'm going to love you and I'm going to forgive you. That's not what God is saying. God is saying, because I love and I forgive you, regardless of the fact that you've rebelled from me and you've used drugs. Because you have my grace, you can now work out my grace so that you don't have to use drugs anymore. Okay? So that's just one application, but the application is broad. So 
Let's get back to the passage, verse 13. For it is God who is working within you. So you can't work out something that you haven't been given. I can't, I can't fix that line unless one of them coaches me. Unless one of them teaches me. You can't work out your salvation unless God has worked salvation in you. For uh, it is God who is working in you. And here it comes. This is what God is doing. He's enabling you both to desire and to work out His good purpose. Where does passion and desire come from in order to fulfill God's purpose? It comes from God. You know, uh, you have, you have, I've been to so many uh, leadership talks, leadership buildings, team buildings. Um, you know, people have these incentives where they, they, they want to do something in order to get the team to be excited to work more and reach goals and reach targets. You know, you take your team out. You know, you have team leading, team building. Now, all of those things are good. But here comes the reality. In ministry, God is the one that does that. Now, I'm not saying that us as pastors shouldn't do incentives. No, we should. Why? Because God gives us that desire. But what about the people we're preaching to? Does God give people that desire? You know, ultimately, if people don't have the desire for them to, to fulfill the will of God or to work out their salvation... Well, we have to come to the source of that. And that is God. Is God birthing the desire within them? And for us, our desire comes from God. Our passion. You know, one of the things that, 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 that blesses me a lot is when I see somebody becoming passionate about the scriptures. And then I know that my work is being fulfilled. Now, now what is my work? It's not to get somebody to be passionate about the scripture. Is to get somebody to be passionate about God because the scripture teaches us about God and they become passionate about that. And at the end of the day, I'm just the vessel that God would use to birth that desire in people. But I'm not the one that gives them the desire. I can't give you the desire. God gives you the desire. You might see my passion and my enthusiasm as a nice example. You know, remember what Paul says. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. So, Who's the one that I'm really following? Where's the passion really coming from? God. I don't want you to have my passion. I want you to have a God-given passion. So where does the desire come to work out your salvation? From God. So what does God do? Now let's look at verse 13 again. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out His good purpose. So how do you fulfill the biblical mandate upon your life? God. Do you realize something about this? This speaks so much more about God than what it does us. Now I've heard people use this as life verses. You know, Philippians is full of life verses. You know, he who started a good work in you shall carry it on until the day of completion. Ah, I consider it all a loss in comparison to this passing knowledge of knowing Jesus. There's so much life verses. This is one of them. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then people don't tell you that it's God that works within you. And he gives you both the desire and the ability to fulfill that work. It's not about us. It's about God. Now here's my thing. Do you see God as the God that he is? The, the God of humility that humbles himself to a point of death, dying on a cross. Showing that great humility to bring us the forgiveness of our sins. And then tells us, now that he gives us that forgiveness, we have to work it. We have to work it. We have to put it 
to play. If I phone Warren up and I say, Warren, listen, what do I do? Because uh, the light is doing the same thing. His reply should be to me, do what I told you to do. So what does God want us to do? Do as he told us to do. There's a, there's a phrase, you get a thing, it's called couch potatoes. You know, moms love complaining about them. That child is a couch potato. Wives love complaining about them. My husband's a couch potato. He sits on the couch holding sports. You know, the kids today, the couch potatoes, cartoons, games. And now they couch and phone potatoes. You know, YouTube, TikTok. You know, now they phone potatoes. But some of us are pew potatoes. We sit in church and we do absolutely nothing. But God is calling us to work. Now here's the thing. Is there a desire that burns with passion deep down on the inside of you to see the will of God manifest in your life. Put that to practice. Because it's God that has given you that desire and not only gives you that desire, but gives you the ability to work that through. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that doesn't leave us in the state that we are, but you've engaged with this fallen and this broken world. And you've called us to redemption. Through that redemption that we have, Lord, we know that your word declares that we ought to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Because it is you, Lord, that is working within us, both to desire and to work out your good purpose. Show us through your word what is your good purpose, Lord. Burn with passion on the inside of us the desire to see that worked out. But most of all, Lord, let us not receive your grace in vain, but let us work out what you have worked within us. And we declare, Lord, to you be the glory both now and forevermore. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.